Okay, let me tell you about American financing. Uh, American financing, you need to start focusing on your debt. Shore up all of your financing. Save money wherever you can. Cut costs wherever you can. Uh, There's lots of things that you need to do. We'll do a show on this probably early next week. But call American Financing. Do this first. See if you can save money on your mortgage or you can refi all your credit cards. Cut your credit cards up and pay them off. If you can't do it, you know, because you're short on money, look at your mortgage. Can you flip that? And do a refi and throw your credit cards in there as well. you got to get those adjustable uh, interest rates off your back. Call American Financing now, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. America and welcome to the Glenn Beck program today at the 9 p.m. hour uh, on Blaze TV. The Wednesday night special is taking on the CIA. Is the CIA? Were we trying to cover our tracks for what the CIA was doing and knew all about at the Wuhan labs? Who was funding? Eco Health, Peter Dazak. We've told you and shown you the basic receipts for the money that has been exchanging hands, but now we have an insider from Eco Health who says he can tell you exactly what was going on and it involves the CIA. Tonight you will see him live uh, and we have pushback from Eco Health. They they immediately responded. They didn't the last show we did, but this one, they were quick to respond saying, no, 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 nothing to see here. You decide tonight at 9 p.m. Right now, I'm going to take you and give you an understanding of Putin, of Russia, and warn you what's happening in our own country as well with a guy who I think is spot on and has done his homework on a very difficult topic. The fourth political theory, Alexander Dugan. We start with Putin's speech. What is he really after in 60 seconds? I think we can all agree that the public education system in this country has gone completely off the rails. Even when school boards and teachers aren't trying to wedge woke ideology into your children's uh, heads and drive a wedge between you and your children, uh, they are still operating in an outdated and reductive way. 
working to shape our children into a single uniform type of person rather than giving them the freedom to discover their own interest and develop their abilities in different ways. We really need to take charge of our kids' um, education. John Taylor Gatto wrote in his, uh, uh, in his work, The American Education, uh, and the Tuttle Twins books present it in Tuttle Twins and the Education Vacation. Your kids will follow the Tuttle Twins through their own realization of how much broader and better education in this country can be. And your kids will actually love this book and all the others in the series. Tuttle Twins, they're having a President's Day sale. It includes all 12 kids books, all the activity workbooks, plus a free copy of 10 important facts about the Declaration of Independence. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get a big discount and the bonuses today. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Benjamin Teitelbaum. He is the author of War for Eternity. He is also associate professor at the University of Colorado Boulder. Normally, I would say warning uh, just from <laughs> just from the book and that he's a professor at the University of Colorado Boulder. However, I've talked to Benjamin uh, several times over the last I think it's the last year. Maybe it's been longer than that. Um, he is watching something and very concerned about something that I am concerned about, and that is the influence of traditionalism as really defined by Alexander Dugan, a very, very dangerous guy who is actually calling for Armageddon. He is actually believes that that's the thing that's going to solve all of our problems. And I guess in a way he's right, but, uh. I don't think the way he's trying to pull it together. Uh, Benjamin, can I call you Ben or Benjamin? Ben, please. Glenn, okay. it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you very much. I know we've talked about doing this show for a long time, uh, and we may have to cut this into two shows and then maybe even a podcast as well. Um, but I, I want you to let's start with Putin's speech and what he said uh, that I think only a few people really can pick up on that know what Ale who Alexander Dugan is and what his plan is. So tell me what we learned from Putin's speech. If you listen, and, and good morning again, Glenn, it's a pleasure to be with you. If you Thank listen you. to that whole speech, you could come away from it thinking that this was all about kind of dry policy decision-making on his part. He spends a lot of time talking about the economy of Ukraine, spends a lot of time talking about the, the history of the Soviet Union, the Communist Party, some of the policy decisions that he thinks that they made wrong and need to be corrected. But at the very beginning of that speech, he said something almost in passing that, yes, would, I think, uh, go by unnoticed for, for a lot of listeners. And then he's, he said that Ukrainians and Russians have a spiritual bond mm -hmm. between the two of them. And, and that... That tells me, and it should tell a lot of observers, that Putin is thinking in two ways, and he's motivating himself in two ways. There is this, again, this dry, almost um, technical, policy-based discussion and motivation he's trying to, to push to the Russian people to say, well, we have to do this because NATO is going to come to our borders. Ukraine perhaps has nuclear ambitions. We have to deal with that. The other, the other piece, though, is that Russia has a sort of spiritual mandate to collect its lost children and to unite itself with the populations around the world that are its natural kin. 
Um, that that is what what stands out to me as I hear this, and that is what also makes this particular situation that we're dealing with today actually about something far much bigger and much more intractable, I would say as well. Okay, so let's talk about Dugan and just define traditionalism. This is something that if you if you read the uh, uh, fourth political theory, um, it there are times that you will read it and go, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, because I think this is what Brexit about is about. I think this is what uh, some Canadians feel. I think this is what some Americans all over the world, people are feeling like, hey, you know, I'm French. And, I, you know, I think France is pretty great. And I'd like to be French. And I'm not embarrassed about France. Same thing with Brexit. They want to be British. It's this feeling that we are being told that our traditions and our uh, country is not good, not uh, doesn't have anything special about it. And people are pushing back on that. All of our traditions are are being threatened. That part of his definition of traditionalism is is, I think, something that connects uh, with people all around the world. But that's not what it means. Correct. That, that's just a small piece of it. And, and sometimes, you know, when we're exploring ideas, it details matter yeah you, you can have you can have a, a sort of, of doctrine that that is appealing in a lot of senses but a small detail can turn into something sinister so when when putin is referring to the spiritual uh mandates of of russia that connects him with a prominent russian philosopher kind of of a mysterious mandate and a political operative named alexander dugan he has associated himself with a philosophy called traditionalism or the traditional school it asserts that time does not move in linear fashion. That is to say, we're not necessarily progressing forward in a, in a clear direction, but instead it moves in cycles. And most of the time, uh, society is degrading, save for one moment when there's a, an apocalyptic explosion and destruction of the social world and we are reborn into a golden age. It's that last piece, Glenn, that is that is so so key here because when you look at, at history and the way that, that these traditionalists do, there can be justification for Armageddon, as you put it, for destruction, mass destruction. Chaos. Just total and complete chaos. Yes. As as a, 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 a sort of prelude to a golden age, a utopia that we're going to be reborn into. That's that's one of the distinguishing features. That is what is paired with this, I'd say, small T traditionalism that you were you were referring to earlier. People wanting to 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 preserve and, and conserve uh, values and identities that matter to them. This this apocalyptic aspect of of the ideology is what is distinguishing this this way of thinking. I, I will tell you that um, uh, Ben and I have talked off the air, and I've wanted to do this show for a while, but I have waited. Until I think people are in the right uh, frame of mind to understand it. I think this is one of the most critical things that we can learn about, especially those of us on the right, because this is how you will know if there is a troublemaker in your midst, um, because a lot of people will hear some of this stuff and go, yeah, that's me, too. Uh, but that's not what they mean. And they have a different vision of the future. So it's you, please listen to what we're talking about here. Um, it goes way beyond uh, Russia. 
but let me stay in Russia for just a just a couple of more minutes. Um, it, what is Novo Russia? Novo Russia. This would be the. This was. This is Dugan's uh, way of describing these eastern territories in Ukraine um, that are breaking off apparently and have been recognized as independent states, people's republics by Putin. Um, Dugan has been referring to them as New Russia, uh, as a new expansion, and and Putin in the past has borrowed that language from this this renegade philosopher that. He- been speaking to you about he used uh, that at, i mean crimea was really a dugan plan wasn't it, it absolutely i mean it was it was one small piece of a dugan plan. right um i i can to catch your listeners up dugan after the fall of the soviet union uh this this philosopher after the soviet union fell apart he wanted to see not the revival of communism in the communist state but a russian nationalism that would expand almost to the to the exact boundaries of the former Soviet Union, but do so not carrying this secular ideology, but instead a, a, a really fanatical Russian nationalism and federalism. And all of those states that started to move out of the Russian sphere, Georgia, the Baltics, uh, Ukraine, all of those in his mind were targets to be brought back in. And it was imperative that Russia do it forcefully, decisively, to establish a boundary for American and liberal democratic uh, ideology in the world. Um, it was important for him to set a boundary there to show that liberalism, that uh, democracy, lowercase l liberalism, uh, was not the fate of the whole world. But in fact, those those territories needed to imagine a different future for themselves, a future that returned in his mind to their roots rather than looked forward to a, a different future. And it is the same kind of thing in a way that that that. Hitler used faith of people. He used all different faiths. It wasn't just Christianity. He destroyed those faiths as he went in. But Dugan is using faith, and that's why that spiritual element, because the Ukraine plays a very important part for Eastern Orthodox uh, Christianity, right? It is the spiritual, uh, I don't know, uh, center for that, isn't it? It's, it's it's one of them for sure. It, it's it's also a sort of mythological center for the the origins of the Russian ethnicity and state as well, which Kiev, is even worse because that that's exactly what Hitler was doing with all of the other religions. He was tying, he was just tying all these myths together. Yes, Chris, Chris, you know, you look at the union of religion and nationalism, and and then you start to find yourself in a place where your state acts as though it has a divine mandate and that is a dangerous place to be it's 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 not surprising and won't perhaps surprise your listeners given what we're saying here that one of dugan's ideal states in the world today is iran because there you have a union of state power with religious authority and the ability uh really the justification for anyone in that state to question the actions of the government is is shackled because uh, if you do that, you are questioning a religious authority that's not allowed to be questioned. So this is all, uh, all this goes to to a, a celebration of authoritarianism and, and, and a way to equip uh, the power of the state or, or a demagogue uh, with greater cultural in addition to, to military and economic and political power. All right. I want to talk about the uh, fourth political theory, if you can define what it is. I also want to do one more thing, a stop on 
on uh, Putin. Does he is he the lunar Putin or the solar Putin, which we'll understand what is his real game here? Uh, and then I want to bring it home to America, which is extraordinarily important uh, for all Americans, but especially those on the right. And we'll give you that information here in just a second. First, let me tell you about Relief Factor. Julie wrote in about her husband's experience with Relief Factor. She said, I ordered Relief Factor for my husband and I couldn't be happier. He hasn't had the stiffness and pain in his lower back that he suffered for years. I'm only sorry I didn't order it sooner. What a great product. Thank you, Relief Factor. Relief Factor was created by doctors to help your body reduce inflammation as a major source of most pain. And it's got four key ingredients that all work together with your body as it fights against the effects of aging, exercise, and everyday living. I take Relief Factor every day, three times a day, because it works for me. It works for about 70% of the people, I should say 70% of the people who try Relief Factor go on to order more month after month. I ain't taking it because I like it. I'm taking it because it works for me. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 1-800-4-RELIEF, the number four relief. Get the 1995 three-week quick start. Try it for three weeks to see if it works for you. Um, it's relieffactor.com, 800, the number four relief. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. We are uh, with Benjamin Teitelbaum, the author of War for Eternity. Um, he is a guy who I have talked to several times. They're, they're really, I think there's about three of us. Ben, that are, that are watching and understand what the importance of Alexander Dugan, um, and uh, it's it's a little frightening. Everybody I talk to, I think there's one other guy that I know that uh, we all look at each other and goes, "Why why aren't people paying attention to this? It's so important." Right. Um, right. What is what is the fourth political theory? So yeah, this, this is a challenge, Glenn, to explain know, in a short period of time. But if if, if uh, the the when Alexander Dugan speaks about a fourth political theory, he's speaking about an alternative to the other three main Western ideologies that that fought throughout the last century. Uh, that is to say, liberalism being one, lowercase l. It's it's you know when Americans hear liberalism, we think Democratic Party, but no. we're really just talking about free market. Um, democracy, rights of individual, rule right. of law, um, and communism being a second one, and fascism being a third. Dugan's belief was was that communism and liberalism in World War II combined forces to kill the third political theory, fascism, and then uh, uh, liberalism. The first political theory allowed communism to die of old age, essentially with the with the Soviet Union. But Dugan wants to see an alternative to all, all of these, uh, one that you might say fuses elements of the second and the third of communism and fascism. Um, in his mind, uh, the danger of liberalism and the lower, lowercase del liberal democratic world is, is its rampant individualism um, and its contempt for history, its, its devotion to pro- progress and the belief that really our roots are something to be overcome and escaped. And also its will toward, toward globalization and, and building larger, larger and larger communities. What he wants to see is a world that is 
shrunken, basically, in its scope, um, and where the identity of your group or your tribe becomes the primary object of political activism. That is to say, not the individual, as in liberalism, not the class, as in communism, and not the race, per se, as in fascism, but a slightly, let's say, related concept, which is the, the ethnos or, the, or a small community or the tribe. To see a society that works on preserving those differences, that's, that's what a, a fourth political theory should be doing. And it should be, in his mind, opposed to progress, opposed to development, and, and certainly opposed to any, any larger state like the United States uh, operating on the global sphere. So you can hear that and say, wow, I see pieces of that from both the right and the left. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I see a new world order being shaped like that, except he wants to destroy anything global. Um, he also wants to destroy the United States. And I think there are some others that would like to do that. And they are using some of those tactics so um, he sees the United States, any pathway toward, toward realizing this goal has to, in his mind, go through the destruction of the United States, um, at least at least of U.S. global hegemonic power. Occasionally, he'll say that if the United States were 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 firmly contained within uh, within its own borders and its ideals never, never spread anyplace else throughout the world, then perhaps we could coexist. But it's about it's about containing U.S. power. OK, 45 seconds before the break. Tell me, is he is Putin operating? Do you think in in um, Ukraine more under that or on just a you know quick business capitalist? I just want money and I'm going to get those ports. I tell you, I think the way that he has been speaking recently makes it seem like the business-like uh, estimation of, of Ukraine is, is more of a facade, an excuse to do what he wants to do, which is expand this Russian state. Okay, good. That's good news. Now, we're going to turn to America. Really important that you listen with an open mind on this. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, I have vehicles that, you know, trucks on my farm that I will drive and drive and drive. I don't care what they look like. I don't care if the doors literally fall off. Uh, really don't. Um, I just want the engine to work and I want to be able to put stuff in the back and haul it from one place to another. The upshot is this from time to time, I have to get them repaired. And that's why I have Car Shield to cover the cost of those repairs. Whether your car has 5,000 or 150,000 miles on it, CarShield has a monthly covered option, a coverage option for all budgets. Uh, and I mean locked-in options. You're not going to pay more later on because of inflation. Um, you, you can get your car fixed. They make it easy to get your car fixed. You get rental car options as well as roadside assistance and trip reimbursement, all at no extra cost. They have helped millions of drivers, including me. In one repair, I think it was $6,000. And I honestly, I would have said, don't fix that. When I got there and it was fixed and they said it was $6,000, I said, what? You should have called me. They said, we called CarShield. It was covered. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Of course. CarShield.com slash Beck. 800-391-8888. CarShield.com slash Beck.
I don't come to this segment lightly, and this segment is really for adults, and I'm probably going to have to have Ben on again uh, to go through all of this. But I just as the in the way I say that the Great Reset has nothing to do with capitalism. It is set out to destroy capitalism. Um, you they use the word capitalism, stakeholder capitalism. That is a ruse. That is to get people who are not paying attention or haven't done deep work on what stakeholder capitalism is to just go along with it and think, oh, yeah, they're like me. Um, but they're not. Um, today, there's a big thing in the news that Donald Trump loves Putin. He's just he just said he was a genius. Well, I have to tell you, I think he is, too. As a chess player, I think he is a genius. And that is the way Donald Trump sees uh, Putin. I know I've talked to him off air about it. He believes he is a genius chess player. And he is working the system and he knows how to work things. That doesn't mean you love him or you're rooting for him. You're seeing the game being played. So there is admiration and there's love. There is uh, traditionalism that when I say that word, 99.999% of this audience has in their mind what I always had. Lowercase traditionalism, and then there is uppercase traditionalism. Donald Trump, I don't believe, knows anything about traditionalism. But one of his former advisors and a guy that uh, Trump kicked out, Steve Bannon, knows everything about it. Uh, I've talked to Ben uh, Teitelbaum several times about Steve Bannon and about uh, uppercase traditionalism, which comes from this crazy guy in Russia. And it's very confusing. Most people don't know it. They'll hear Bannon talk about traditional values, etc., etc., and they will associate it with something else. He is an uppercase traditionalism. Ben Teitelbaum uh, is uh, with us now. He wrote the book, The War for Eternity, um welcome back ben pleasure to be with you glenn do i have that right what i just said absolutely i i think if some of the ideas that we're talking about people would be excused i think for associating them with with much more familiar let's say conservative right-wing values in the u.s correct small government um uh, let's let's say a, a new opposition to internationalism and international interventionism. Even the Tenth Amendment could be um, a traditional yeah. value that uppercase traditionalist would would be for. Break it up into a smaller group. Yes, right. You have to imagine it instead to see to see what is distinct about the, these ideas that we're, we're focusing on here, Glenn, you have to imagine all of those principles driven to an extreme that you never imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, you, have, you have to think about, yeah, not just states' rights, but perhaps even breaking up states into smaller groups and completely eliminating the federal government altogether, um, having no coordination between different parts of the United States, um, having absolutely no international presence whatsoever, taking no thought for, for our position in the world. 
that's where we are. And the distinction, it might seem like it's just a matter of degree, but some, some of these differences, some of these details are, are so important that we're speaking about an entirely different animal altogether. Yeah, because, again, your book is called War for Eternity, and this is played on a spiritual level, and he actually calls for the end of the world as we know it. I mean, I don't think there's much difference between um, his philosophy and the philosophy of those who call themselves Twelvers that believe that they can hasten the return of the promised one by creating chaos. Yes, it, it, it really isn't. There's not a, there's not much of a, a difference between the two of them there. Uh, they're 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 quite close. And it's in this instance, we're talking about someone who we're talking about figures who have power, um, who uh, are, are so foreign to our ways of thinking that we might not recognize it. I mean, Correct. Glenn, when I came on your show this morning, you're saying you're, you have a conservative audience. I'm coming from the University of Colorado Boulder. There's got to be so many differences between us, but it you realize how much we probably share with each other. Oh, yeah. You see an ideology. Hey, Ben, do you like do you like the Bill of Rights? Yes. So do I. Good. Let's move on. (laughs) I mean, that's really our political uh, our political um, unum. If if you will fight for my freedom of speech, I'll fight for your freedom of speech. We're good. Everything else is is secondary to that. And I think we better get to that union pretty quickly here. And I'm sure that we, even if we look at it in slightly different ways, we also believe in the rights and the dignity of the individual. Yes. Do it, you know, it might be thought of differently, but that, that simple principle that can seem kind of boring, I think, in our conversation, uh, because we all actually agree on it, that is contested by people with a lot of power. And, and, and they also, some of these figures do not believe that our idea can exist in the world on its own. They see it as a sort of parasite that if it exists here, it will potentially spread everywhere, and therefore it has to be contained and fought back um, on all possible fronts. That is what we are potentially dealing with um, in, in Russia, especially if, we're, if we have a, a less businesslike and a more ideological Putin at the helm. Tell me a little bit about the fourth political theory. Um, he, he talks about modernity, and really the, he wants to take us back to a time before we were modern. What does that mean? That means a time when we did not necessarily look to the future as, as, as a way to improve our lives. And, and, and really that improvement of society was not in itself a, a, a self-evident value. Um, looks to a time when we would not uh, uh, value the, the contributions of the individual. Um, value free and rational thinking, um, not value democracy as, as, a, as a, a potentially a new political model that could and, and ought to shape the societies that we live in. Um, all of those features also not think globally, not think about our relationships um, with, with others and not also, and this is key, I think, for a lot of Christians, not think about universality of values. Uh, one of the messages of Christianity, of course, has been the, the universal um, salvation for humanity, um, that, that God's salvation is equally available and equally relevant to all human beings on this planet. That's, that's underlying the evangelical impulse, of course. Um, that 
in, in the eyes of these traditionalists is an inherently modern intrusion or uh, element or seed in Christianity that has to be resisted and that we need instead to be uh, closing ourselves off, not thinking globally, not thinking universally, not thinking individualistically or in terms of, of progress at all. That's, that's modernity. Uh, to these thinkers and what what needs to be fought against when when you said that the fourth political theory is something that really combines uh, the strengths of nazism and communism i'm trying to think what those strengths were beside totalitarianism just brutal live my way or else mm-hmm. we i mean we we see the, the overwhelming force of the state but for, for these thinkers, what, what the state tends to represent, it's not just some powerful despot. Instead, it is a manifestation of, of the collective and that uh, opposite the individual, let's say, that, that your political life, your cultural, your social life needs to all be oriented around the collective. Um, and whereas communism focused, focused its efforts on, on class communities, on, you know, who, how much material wealth you have or do not have in your relationship to production. Uh, for, for the fourth political theory, it is about religious slash cultural communities. That's where everything needs to be oriented and there may not be uh, a, a, a proper public consideration for individual will and divergence on an individual level. So that's, that's where we see these things fitting together. Um, Ben, I would like to invite you back. We'll have to look at our schedules and see when we can do it. But, you know, as early as tomorrow, but next week, um, I would like you to show this in action because people will say, as I know, because I've heard it, they don't he's this is a crazy crackpot theory from a guy in Russia, yada, yada. It is it is global and financially sound and. It infects all kinds of movements um, all over the world that are legitimate people saying, you know, I want to be English. I don't hate Europe. I just I want to be English and I'll be part of Europe. And it infects those uh, movements. And uh, the media has it all wrong. They're just they're demonizing everybody. And they don't know which are the good guys and which are the bad guys. So can you come back and show it in action abroad and here? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would be happy to, Glenn. It's, it's a, part of the reason and the challenge of this topic is that we have to ask viewers to, to hold a couple ideas in their heads at the same time. I know your viewers can do that. I'm very, very sorry that the mainstream media doesn't always allow that. But we have to see room for criticism of of globalism and for let's say american expansionism with our military and the fact that uh completely closing ourselves off and and regressing is not a good idea yeah and i think it's also i i think the bigger hurdle for our audience may be uh capital t and lower t traditionalism that's where i think most people will get confused um because mm-hmm. it plays right in i mean i know i i've read the book and the first few pages i because i knew who he was i was letting myself experience it as a reader and noticing when i was going yeah i agree with that yeah i agree with that but it's not what he means it (laughs) to be uh and that's the secret so ben thank you very much 
We'll, it's a pleasure, Glenn. We'll talk again soon. Benjamin Teitelbaum, the author of War for Eternity. We appreciate him coming on and being as diligent in his work as he has been. God bless. Back in just a second. It's important to realize that change for the better starts with you. What are you going to do today to help make this country a better place? What are you going to do to fight against the tyranny of the left? Can you fight it in big ways? Or can you just fight it in small ways, in your ways? For instance, if I told you that you could do something today that would not only help in the fight against leftism, but would also save you money at the same time, what would stop you from doing it? Because I can't think of a thing. Patriot Mobile. This sends a message to big tech, big mobile companies. Can you hear us now? They have taken us for granted and they despise us, quite honestly. So why are we doing business with them when we have a phone company uh, that will provide all of the service for you, the same service because they're on the same cell towers. They'll give you better customer service at a better price. And they're fighting with you, not against you. Switch today. Let them hear your voice. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT or PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at GlennBeck.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, don't listen to any, any of these obnoxious and ridiculous charges uh, that everyone from the New York Times, all of the left wing media is now saying about Donald Trump. I, I mean, I really honestly, I feel sorry for those who watch the mainstream media and get their news solely from them. I really do. They are going to be so shocked when all of this stuff happens and they won't know why they don't know why gas prices are going up they think it's because of russia no that has a part to do with it but the bigger part is the policies of this administration that shut everything down on day one yeah not to mention a told uh, i mean think uh, gosh look at all the stuff they're accusing of with the russia thing for example oh well russia you know he's he was calling him a genius I mean, you read, you read, you look at this in context, and it's it's like how I would talk about Tom Brady, right? Like, yeah, he's yeah, he's really he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I can't stand him, but he's the greatest quarterback. Like, there's a grudging respect for the way he plays chess, as you pointed it out. Um, I don't think Donald Trump has a begrudging respect for Putin as a player. He looks at Putin and is like, that guy gets it done. I don't agree with him, and he wouldn't have gotten it done if I were playing against him, but he's a great player a, of the game. Yeah, uh, you know, that's how you would look at someone. You give them, you have to, there has to be a level of respect you give a, an adversary that if you don't understand that they're good at playing this game, you wind up playing it like Joe Biden is playing it. Exactly Remember, right. Biden's stance here was, he doesn't want me to be president. Putin doesn't want me to be president because he knows I'll go toe to toe with him. That's that's what he tweeted. I know, and you know, and nothing could be further from the truth. He was thrilled yeah. to see Joe Biden elected. Yeah, 
I mean, come on. It's, and it, it's it's it, there is no respect for Biden from Putin. Putin does not no. look at Biden and go, oh, that's a tough adversary. He knows the game it's we're a playing. Joke. It's a total joke. And and, 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 it, and that total joke is partly because no one seemingly in the administration or on the left understands how good Putin is at this game. And let's not forget that Joe Biden went on national television and told Vladimir Putin and the world that if a, a minor incursion would probably cause a lot of division within NATO and we might probably wouldn't do anything about it. I mean, yes, they backed off on it later on, but this is a typical Joe Biden gaffe to just blurt out what he's been talking about in his private meetings. They all probably knew this was reality. He blurted it out and allowed all of this to happen. So if Putin stops right here, what are they going to do about it? The answer is nothing. And I can guarantee he's you. probably not going to stop. I can guarantee you that no one in the Biden administration knows anything about what we talked about, what you now know about. Uh, Putin and Alexander Dugan. They don't know anything about it. Mm. Mm. This is the Glenn Beck Program.